welcome to the Think Out Loud podcast. My name is George Yui, and this podcast is dedicated to those who are passionate about their personal development and are looking to create lives of passion, purpose, and peace. This podcast is called Think Out Loud because I've learned as a coach that when we think out loud, that is where insight is born. We see things more clearly, we feel things more deeply, and we move forward in life from our most authentic self. This is a Soul Fire production. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Think Out Loud podcast. And today I've got the pleasure of having a coaching conversation with Joseph Salvador. Joseph works in advertising, but he and I first connected over the passion of self-development and coaching. You see, Joseph is going through a major transformation in his life right now, but this conversation steered in a different direction. It's steered in the topic of romance, relationship, and old patterns. He and I share stories about what it's like going after people who are emotionally unavailable to us and what patterns come up through that process and how we can begin to trace back where those patterns and our behavior initially came from in our childhood and where we can start to take our own sovereignty and empowerment back and start shifting the way very subtly of how we're showing up in the world. I think you're gonna really enjoy this episode. Let's dive in. All right, Joe, welcome to the Think Out Loud podcast. Happy to be here, George. It's it's exciting. We're developing a new friendship and we're very aligned on a lot of similar interests. Uh, when we were talking just before we hit play on this recording episode, we were talking about two ways that we could play today. We were talking about we could have a conversation and talk about the things that we're interested in, or you could receive coaching from me and you chose the latter. Coaching. So it's really fun because uh, we get to come into this and without a plan and we get to simply show up and respond to what shows up. Yep. So first question, super simple. Where should we begin today? Yeah, I think I'm open to giving a little bit of context on how I got here sitting in front of you. Um, born and raised in Buffalo, New York. I'm working production. Got a job offer to be a creative director of an ad agency out here. Um, for a long time in my life, I have, well, not not have, but I was in this cycle of abusing pharmaceutical medication that I was that I was given. Uh, two and a half years ago, I I overdosed on that pharmaceutical medication, and that was a big turning point for me. I looked at myself as soon as I woke up from the experience and didn't know who I was, where I was. But the one thing I did know was that it's time to make a change. So from that point, there was a lot of digging into the nature of consciousness, freaking reading books on quantum physics, uh, Alan Watts, Ram Dass, Eckhart Tolle, anything I could really get my hands on that I knew would accelerate my one understanding of myself, understanding of my body and understanding of the people around me. Um, I got introduced to this program, this transformational program. And after I got out of that program, it was like a day after when I ran into you. And, and I know that the way that we were communicating, you, you kind of just like sniffed it out on me. And I let you know that I was in a transformational program and you were like, yep, it's pretty fresh. It's pretty fresh on you. Cause I was just in this place of like open heartedness and like willingness to connect and very grounded and, um, just kind of like that natural, that, that natural blissed out 
vibe I had going. There's a glow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, man, uh, it's been a long journey the last couple of years, but I've been working really, really hard on myself. And, and it's interesting what starts to happen once you actually put in that work and prove it to yourself is that, you know, those people that you want to be around and accelerate with just kind of gravitate towards you. And I feel like you were one of those pieces for me is, you know, I'm sitting here with you and getting free coaching something that you are dedicated to. And, and those are the types of people that I want to bring into my circle and associate with because you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. And I'm looking forward to, to getting some free coaching. All right, man. Well, it's, it's great that you spoke yourself into the room that way. Why don't you tell me what's life like on the other side? There, there was the hardship that you went through. There was the addiction that you experienced. There was the rock bottom and and then life steered you toward this world of self-development you've been doing transformational programs you've been investing yourself where are you at today what's life like on the other side yeah no great question it's battle wouldn't be the right word i think it's it's a conscious choice each day to be present and it's a conscious choice to you know make the right decisions that will allow me to be at my best. So it's like in the morning routine, I didn't really realize how important those things were to like get up and stretch and work out and journal. Um, I think now I'm just holding myself more accountable than I ever did. And, you know, I realize that having integrity in myself, it's like if we look at integrity as like a, a wheel with spokes, every time you go back on your word, to yourself you just knock out one of those spokes and the wheel starts to become warped and looking in hindsight in my past life that wheel was so warped it, it could barely roll and now i have a better understanding of of how i hold that structure and keep rolling with the decisions i make in my life so overall now it's it's just i'm in a better place of understanding myself knowing how to set loving boundaries in places that I need to set boundaries professionally, personally, you know, like I said, bringing people into my life that are more aligned with the man that I want to be. And I think most importantly, like speaking on the man I want to be, I believe that um, men are meant to be so authentic and secure in themselves that we are able to hold space for the feminine energy to pass through us and around us and allow whatever woman decides to come into our life to just be who they are. And I think I'm at that point where I, I have the ability to be a really fucking good partner because of the self-development work. So a lot of work still to be done, but at least I can sit in front of you today and say, you know, I, I accept who I am. I accept where I'm at and I'm just continuing to be a student. And there's new partnership in your life right now. There is. So you're getting a, a real life chance to experiment in this new evolved version of yourself. Yep. That must be exciting and scary at the same time. It is. It is. <laughs> well, you know, George, that's one of the things that was a really big one for me. It's like I would let people into my life and I'll push them away. Self-defense mechanism, I'm sure. But that's been a trend not only in romantic relationships, but in, in friendships and in professional life. Um, I had a really good, really good way of, of starting things, but sustaining was a whole nother thing. And I think that's probably something that, that I, I would be open to receiving coaching on is like how to break that pattern. Because I still see kind of glimpses of that negative 
negatively formed habit pattern going on. But I know as I can just increase my awareness on it, that's that's where we have to start. Cool. Awesome. So when we talk about patterns, there's an external stimulus and a conditioned response. Something happens in the external world and it triggers the internal response. For you, the internal response that I'm clear on is that you push away. Indeed. What's the external stimulus? Where in your present life today do you still see that that pattern come through? And, and be as specific as possible. Like, tell me a moment recently where that happened. Hmm. Well, let's let's go even to past relationships. Like the theme of wanting something I can't have is a very common theme. I would go after or go after or like win this woman. And once she decided that she wanted to give herself to me, I would like lose interest. Mm. So, may- so what happens there? You you pursue somebody that you perceive to be, is it out of your league or someone that you- Sure. Okay. Out, of, out of my league or, or emotionally unavailable. Emotionally available. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you pursue somebody that's not available and then something happens and now they're interested. Yep. Now they're leaning in towards you and that's what triggers the walking away. Yep. Maybe- there's a form of avoidance that's coming up there. So when you what what's the meaning that you're making? When someone comes close to you, there's a story about what's going to happen if you stay. What happens if you stay? Yeah, I mean, I I think it kind of comes down to the idea that what if this person really sees me? And they see that I'm not this image that I've built of like this perfect partner. So I back out because it's easier. It's easier to, to just go back to where I was, which is being on my own. And I can continue to do life the way that I, I can do it and not have commitment and not be responsible for someone else's feelings. And that's where I had created a comfortable place for myself, which is a pretty fucking lonely place. Pardon my French. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's probably the base of what it is. What if they, th- they find things that they don't like? So, so I guess it's an, it's an issue of like having this perfectionist mentality that's just not real. So what happens if they find those things? Rejection, potentially. Mm-hmm. Putting myself in a place of, of vulnerability. Yeah, maybe it's just the rejection piece. Okay. It's the not being wanted or not being seen or not being accepted. Great. So the avoidance, what I'm hearing is a protection mechanism against the rejection. It's easier to walk away because you're in control. You make the decision than it is to be rejected and then hurt. Yeah. What's the dark side of that? And by the way, that's what we would call a winning strategy for success. We have psychological needs that we meet, that we look for. And what happens is, is that we're willing to break our values to meet our needs. Here's a really good example. Would you, Joe, consider yourself to be an honest person? Yeah. Have you ever told a lie before? Absolutely. What the hell are we talking about then? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So what's going on there? We'll break our value for honesty to meet our need in the moment where we're crossed with, do we say a lie or not? So what happens here is that there's a need prioritization. You, On one hand, you have this need for connection. You have this need for love, for this need for and desire for partnership, right? But on another hand, you have a need for safety. You have a need for protection. And what's happened is that this form of rejection 
is something that you've already experienced in your life before. And it's not in the moment what needs to be remedied or rectified in this dynamic with this, even this past person. It's, it's number one, number one, it's starting to just build an awareness that in that moment, what you are subconsciously doing is choosing to prioritize your need for safety over your need for connection. When we become conscious, we can start to shift our focus and say, I want to start living a life where I start prioritizing connection. This is where we start to develop trust in ourself. Trust is about two things, safety and security. Safety in that no harm will be done to me. No mental, physical, emotional, sexual, financial harm will be done to me. There's a fear of an emotional harm that this person can do to you. But what happens in, in, in trust is that there's also this thing called security. Security is about reliance. I can rely on you to be there for me in time of hardship. And where there is an opportunity to cultivate more self-trust is not in the, you will never hurt me, you will never betray me. Because the reality of life and the inevitable truth is that people are not always loving and loyal. And that we go through life learning that sometimes we're, we might have chemistry, but we might not have compatibility. So the understanding of that grounds us into this, okay, well, what's the choice that I make in this moment? Mm. Do I walk away? Do I lean in? Do I prioritize my need for safety or do I prioritize my need for connection? Yeah. What is it that allows us to take the risky but necessary step to move toward connection? It's self-trust. It's that even if you hurt me, I know that I can trust myself to recover. I know that I can trust myself to learn from the experiences to where there was an opportunity for more alignment, where this rejection can be redirection. And I trust myself that although the connection didn't last, I can trust myself to take the risky necessary step again to give love another try. Because life is about falling down seven times and getting up eight. Mm -hmm. And I trust myself to get up that eighth time, even after it hurts. I trust myself that I'll give my time to heal. So there's an element there. What did, what did you capture from that? I mean, the development of, of self-trust is essential to a, at least the beginnings of a relationship, like allowing yourself to go there. And I, I think honestly, that ties back to that integrity piece, it ties back to me building my integrity because for a long time, there was, I had none, I had none, which led to that mistrust of self. So as I continue to build the security of that wheel and those spokes, I'll be able to get to the place where I trust myself more, which has allowed me to open up, you know, open up my heart to this, you know, significant other, at least the beginnings of it. Um, and honestly, man, I'll, I'll throw in another piece, big piece that I think has, it's kind of shaped shaped how I approach relationships. And that's my parents' relationship. Uh, I grew up in a very rare, very rare situation where my parents are 62, 63 years old right now. They're still very much in love. I didn't see arguing when I grew up. And if it was happening, it was happening behind closed doors. It wasn't shown to me and my sister and my brother. So in a way, I mean, how many relationships are like that now? Like it's very rare for a family to grow up that way. So if I have a disagreement with someone, which I know is natural, like historically I have, have been like shut down when I, when I have a uh, disagreement because I'm like, oh, that's not how a healthy relationship goes. Who shuts down? You shut yourself Me. down. Me. I shut myself down because I'm like, well, if it can't be like that relationship, then I don't want it. Mm. So 
again, that idea of like perfectionism surfacing and how it's just not realistic. So here's where there's the opportunity to, to do some deep work. You want the ideal relationship that you, that's been modeled for you. And you want to avoid where there's an underlying theme is that there's disappoint, there's fear of disappointment. There's a fear of disappointment of rejection. And there's a fear of disappointment about the relationship not being perfect enough to meet your standards. And so it's easier to just walk away than be disappointed. I want you to think of a time and tell the story, probably somewhere in childhood, when you can first remember where you experienced disappointment, <laughs> where you were going after something that felt really important to you. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there was this like, oh no, what's that story? Yeah. Oh man. Going back to freshman year of high school, dude. And it, she popped up right away. There was a girl that was two years older than me. And we had like this, this school-wide dance. And this was in, when was it? It was like 06, 06. So um, at that time, life was more normal. And, you know, people were still getting, getting like drunk and going into their school dances. Freak like, dancing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you had like the high school teachers around the circle, like watching, which was super creepy in hindsight. <laughs> In the basketball gym. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I was, I wasn't partying yet. I was, I was a young freshman. I was like 14 years old. Um, but I went in and, and there was this girl that was like the most beautiful girl in the school. And she had just pulled me aside, like pulled me aside to dance and just started making out with me. And, and my, all my buddies were like jaws on the floor. Like what is happening right now? And I look over and there's like some of the older guys that were like jaws on the floor. Like what is happening right now? And, um, you know, young love, I was like, I'm going to marry this girl. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I, I was like leaving the dance, like had this puppy love, like looking around for her to see if I could say bye. And she was with another dude walking out who happened to be her boyfriend at the time. <laughs> yeah. So dude, it's actually funny because she has kind of like weaved in and out of my life since and kind of just like dangled the carrot to me. Um, I think it's some kind of weird power game that she likes to play, mm. but she still has me in that place. Whenever she comes back into my life, I feel that same way that I felt mm. um, to this day, to this day, whenever she resurfaces, I feel that. Mm. And I put myself back there and um, yeah, we, she, she again came into my life in various places, like at the end of high school and like into college and like, like we met up and like went to this concert together and shared like these beautiful moments, but nothing ever came from it because she just would just kind of ghost me. So looking at it like that, she probably has a pretty big deal to do with my outlook on relationships, mm -hmm. which is interesting because I've never really broken it down like that. What's that? There's an insight there. Um, what is the insight there? I mean, whatever emotion I'm still feeling maybe isn't for her, but for the experience of the way that I was treated there. And she, she is unavailable. So I like was playing that out in other relationships. And then <laughs> once I, once I locked those relationships down, I was just like, nah, the game's over. Peace. It would be interesting to see if I would do that to her. Mm. What do you see from it?
I'm just letting you marinate with that for a second because you can see how when we can trace things back where the pattern starts, there's there's this endless game that you've been playing out over and over and over and over again. And, and there's there's on this topic of trust, part of the trust that we have and that we cultivate within ourselves is that when someone doesn't choose us, we let them go. But this person has seemingly has power over you mm. when they come over into your life and you get sucked back in because there's there's still a holding on. And so where we would not have trust in ourselves is is as a result of the thing that we're feeling having perpetuated over and over and over and over again. And when that person still comes back in, you still feel a thing. It, it, there's an attachment that's happening there. There is there's there's something there that hasn't been let go of yet. And what does that bring up for you? Hmm. My question, I guess, is would you want to be with that person even if they came back anyways? Probably not. Um, oh, man, she put me through so much, dude. Um, and I hope that love has nothing to do with that. Um, um, you know, I go back to my parents' relationship. Like all from what I saw, a successful relationship being built on is respect and trust and commitment um, and integrity and yeah those are some pretty damn important pillars that just wouldn't be present if i were to try to date this girl because there's such a history of me being hurt um, i'm sure there would just be walls everywhere for me and just mistrust everywhere uh, um so to answer that no i probably probably wouldn't like logically i would look at it as like no joe you shouldn't do that emotionally is a different different story because you know there are times as hard as i've worked to be conscious there are times when i let emotions take over more frequently than not um that would be an ego play going and having a, rela a relationship with her for sure. what, what, what need does being in a relationship with her meet and by the way emotions are just a reflection of the quality of your thinking mm. you, you cannot have an emotion without a thought so it's indicative of thinking. And when you say this would be an ego play, the ego is thinking to itself, I'm going to get something from this. Yeah. I guess it's just knowing like through all that time, like knowing what it actually could be um, and just like closing the door on that once and for all. Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah. What if instead of, and that's, what happens with our emotions is that when we have a question that focuses on what could it be, there's this sense of incompletion that you feel. Yeah. Then what about the question, what if it could be, what if what it could be is what it was? Touche. Yeah. Yeah, I receive that. That's a great point that I haven't really had that lens before. Mm -hmm. yeah sometimes it's nice just to be silent to let an insight simmer mm -hmm. so i'm speaking to those that are listening right now there's a way in which you see a world and then you get an insight and all of a sudden something softens you can feel it right now there's a softening taking place mm -hmm. there isn't a need to fix it right away we're so quick to fix things but when we can start to build a relationship to the awareness of like what if what it could be is what it was? If what it could be what it was, 
What's the teaching moment for you? It's funny that we were looking at the seven spiritual laws and one of them being non-attachment. Um, being okay with being uncertain. Uh, being okay with allowing things to be exactly what they are. Um, having a certain uh, notion of how I want things to be but them actually being otherwise and allowing that. That's a big one, dude. It's a really big one. <laughs> I love Alan Watts. Um, and I was listening to one of his lectures and he dropped this Shakespeare quote. There is a tide in the affairs of man that when taken at its flood leads on to fortune. There is a tide in the affairs of man that when taken at its flood leads on to fortune. Um, talking about the art of sailing versus paddling. And for a long time, I've, for most of my life, in a lot of things, I've paddled against, against the current. And I think with, a, with an understanding like that, <laughs> that's, it's more conducent to just like setting your sail and just going with it. Um, but I don't know why that's been... A difficult thing for me to internalize because like go with it you can hear go with the flow as many times as whatever but unless you really internalize it it doesn't mean shit um so i think that's a really important takeaway for me is is yes i'm going to have my idea of how i want it to be but will it always be like that more times than not probably no so thank you thank you for that that's that's a really good one i receive yeah so let me back up for a second. You said something super vulnerable and powerful, which was, man, what this woman did to me. What if it was what you allowed her to do to you? Yeah. See, what I've learned is that there's, and by the way, everything you're talking about, falling in love with fantasy versus accepting and embracing reality, me too. Done that time and time and time again in romantic partnership. My mind and my ego wants someone to be a certain way, wants the relationship to be a certain way. And I'm willing to stay with someone for as long as painfully needed for me to realize that it's not that, where the pain has to be so great that the fantasies are so far off from the fantasy. So I've been there. And then I blame the other person of like, oh, what they did to me, what they did, they were so toxic and they were so bad for me. No, they were teachers. Mm -hmm. What happens when I make them the catalyst of my suffering I disempower myself. And what I've learned is this theme that's rooted in integrity, which is radical ownership, which is taking responsibility for the outcome and for my contribution to the outcome, as well as my emotional response to it. So for this example, there is a longing. There's an emotion of longing due to an incomplete fantasy, a, a wondering of what could be. And the mind wants to attach to the knowing of that or what that could have been. But then we say, but she keeps coming and going and playing this dance with me and teasing me. And stuff. it's her power play, maybe. But how do you enable that? I enable that because when she talks to me, she knows I put her above everything. So it seems like... It seems like when, when she needs confirmation or approval or support or whatever for the time being let's just pop in and say hi um yeah um 
you allow her to pop in yeah. and say hi. Yeah. And that's rooted in this hope for an answer to a question that will never be answered. And so it's the attachment to that question that causes the enablement, the allowance of the person to pop into your field. The hope in this case, and the dark side of that hope is that it's a surrender of your authority, hoping that you'll get an answer to that. But when you choose to energetically see that and release that and realize that this person is not your person, because if they were, there wouldn't be as much effort. Yeah. There wouldn't be a game. And the reason why this is important is that it's your journey to develop trust. That when someone doesn't choose you, you won't choose them. You won't continuously choose them and hope for them. Because the question is, would you want to be with somebody who wouldn't be a full fuck yes to you right away? Absolutely not. That's your insight. Yeah. And with that understanding, you can now have the fuel of, of, of self-sovereignty to not allow them into your field. And that creates trust. That creates the trust that when someone doesn't choose me, I won't choose them. I'll create space for people who are a fuck yes in my life and choose them. It's that discernment that builds the trust. And you know what you get to do is my invitation for an integration exercise because you talked about knowledge and concepts but integration is you get to go back and you get to write a letter to your little little joe at 14 years old and you get to talk to him and show him some compassion and you get to write him a letter and be like hey man like it was okay to be super excited about this girl she was older she was sexy she she, she made you feel things you had never felt before and you in your right way had hoped that that would be something more. But that was just meant to teach you something about people and who's meant to stay and who's meant to go. And we now, I got you. I got you. You don't have to cage up anymore. You don't have to protect yourself from that disappointment anymore. It's not to say that we won't experience it again, but it's that we're going to walk away from this person energetically. We're going to release them. We're going to release that hope. We're going to release that what if, what could have been mm-hmm. and realize that it was exactly what it needed to be. And moving forward, this is what we get to choose. We're going to choose to bring people into our life that want to be with there with us. And we're going to give that our best effort. And you can start developing that trust that way. And that starts to rewire that pattern. So that way, when you get up that cork road, do I want to prioritize protection or do I want to prioritize, sorry, protection or do I want to prioritize connection? Oh, and by the way, and if I prioritize connection and it doesn't go well, what will I do to, what are healthy ways I can protect myself that aren't avoidant, but that are sovereign? Setting boundaries. Mm. Um, knowing what I don't want. What is that? How will you know? When you can get really clear about what your metric for walking away is, and you agree to that up front, it makes it a lot easier to walk away when the emotions are high and there's love. I'll give you an example. I recently fell in love with somebody who was in a relationship. Dude. <laughs> so that, I'm sorry to cut you off, but the girl mm-hmm. that I've been seeing is in a relationship. Mm. But before we get into that, I think the, the flag, I don't know if it can be really, maybe I'm avoiding defining it, but it, it's not getting reciprocal energy. Um, because I can give someone, like, give someone space or, you know, I need space. I'm not a codependent person. But, but the moment I feel that 
that it's there's like a disconnect and I can't feel that person anymore is when is when maybe it's time to take a step back. And I don't know how to quantify that. It's more of just a feeling and an, an instinctive thing. Mm. But yeah, this girl in a relationship and the story that I got was that it's over. And, you know, a couple months later, not quite over yet. Mm-hmm. So what I'm looking at is how I've just been like this escape, maybe, because I'm someone who respects her and treats her how she wants to be treated and and serves her. And all the things that a positive relationship should look like is what I was giving. Um, and then, you know, she goes on back to this dude that mistreats her. Uh, so that's what I'm, that's what I'm in right now. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough, dude. It's like, it's been, it's been tough for me to like step back and be like, yo, you got to deal with your shit. Like, I don't want to talk until you're out of that. What is, what is a return? I love the word commitment because I find that there are distractions and there are experiences in life that cause us to step away from our the commitments that we make to ourselves. You've made a commitment to yourself in this new era on the other side of a, of self-development to be a man that lives within integrity. I guess my curiosity is do you feel like you're living in integrity right now in in this in this relationship? No. No, I don't. What does I was having this conversation with another client because for different reasons, but what is recommitting back to yourself as a form of self-love what does that look like and what would that look like for you right now um realistically just cutting off communication with this person um and just you know it's it's the same story as the girl from high school really (laughs) it's the same thing um just going after someone who's unavailable um so it's it's looking at it right now and realizing that like, I'm just creating that story again, everywhere I fucking go. <laughs> it's kind of humorous. It's not really humorous, but it's good that you're at a stage of laughter. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, look, I, I understand that I'm, we can only be as conscious as we are at the moment. There's like no being more conscious. You have to freaking learn from it and, and grow from it. So it's like, it is what it is. Like I'm truly at a point. It is what it is. And it's not the end of the world. And I know that I'm, taking steps closer to being the man that I need to be. And this happened for me, not to me. Um, but what to do in the situation? I mean, I cut off all connection. That's really all I know how to do. Easier said than done, right? Yeah. Let me tell you a story. Let's hear it. So I fell in love with a gal back in October after Burning Man at a, at a wedding in Morocco. And... As it turns out, she was in a relationship. We didn't pursue one another. It, you know, we had this really interesting perception of infidelity. Like there's this like vindictive, I'm going behind this person to sleep with this person and get back at this person and, and chase after my jollies. I've learned in the reality of things that very seldomly actually works that way. That sometimes we go through these experiences where love sparks. And we don't pursue it. We don't chase it, but it happens. And then now we're holding it. We're going, okay, well, what do we do here? Love is this really powerful force that personally I found that if it shows up, I have to explore it mm-hmm. and, and just have a sense of what it is before I know what to do. 
And I mean, it's turned, it has turned into this whole thing. Like we went to Ibiza together. Wow. Like we, and that was like not planned and, and we fell in love and, and she lives in Europe and I live here. And so there was kind of this like, okay, we're going to go back to our perspective worlds, but like maybe continued connection brings more clarity and it only brought more confusion. They're, they're, they're everything that you described, like the level of, we thought we met in each other's needs for partnership and desires and partnership. We both felt that like I had never experienced more spiritual connection with someone and she was 5,000 miles away. And yet how we would communicate just like lifted my soul to a whole new level of let's like melting. And, and, but very quickly when we got back, there was this like, Hey, I can't be on the phone. Cause like my partner's like in the other room. And I was like, Oh fuck. That hurts. I was just like, this is not good. Yeah. Like it really brought up the reality of like, oh, there is very much so an unavailability here. And so immediately my reaction was like, cut all ties off. Cause I realized I don't want to be building, I don't want to be building this from infidelity. I want to build it from integrity. It's messy. I don't want to build this our love parallel to betrayal. I don't want to be free to express myself and free to connect. And I just said, I think we need to take space. Like, this is hard for me to even, I I was so like painfully in this place of like, oh my God, all right, I got to do this. And it was just, I had to talk with my coach. I had to talk with my my other friend who's a relationship coach. I finally found the strength to have the conversation. I had the conversation and two days later we reconnected. And then that connection lasted for another month and a half. We ended up separating. I had I had hoped that continued continuing the connection would bring would bring clarity that that her situation wasn't meant to be. I never pressured it, but it was this like fuck. And then right before Thanksgiving, I got the call and was just like, hey, I need to give this another chance. And God, it fucked me up, man. It fucked me up. And you know. It's just, it's so interesting when we attract these people into our life and how, how that opened just a whole new layer of, of deep work for me. And mm. I don't, I don't, there is no, an, there, I don't have an answer for what to do or how to approach things. But you know, what's important I found is the awareness of what one is allowing when you're allowing it. You're going to be in an experiment. Maybe you choose to keep pursuing. Maybe you choose to follow through. Maybe you have more strength than I did and more courage than I did. It doesn't matter. It's not about who's better and who's not. But when you can just, again, right now, there's a lot of pressure to figure out, all right, what do I do? What do I do? Do I leave? Do I have this conversation? Do I not? And there's like a forcing of that, right? And, and you're going through an experience that is a teaching moment for you, of which the lessons are yet to be truly revealed. Yeah. But what I can tell you is that if you can just have a relationship to the awareness about what's happening, what you are allowing, taking radical ownership for every micro decision, whether it's to answer that call, to continue having sex, to keep it going, to not, whatever it is, when you can just have an awareness that you've just stated there's a truth that you are out of integrity. I'm not saying fix it. I'm not saying change it. I'm just saying have an awareness to the relationship of that. Yeah. Eventually, nature, nurture, and you will take its course and life will take over. And there's a softening 
and a compassion, I think, that like right now, you're doing it again. But when you can just, up until this conversation, there was not a connection between where this was coming from before. This is like a huge breakthrough of where it rooted in. Yeah. So I'd recommend before you decide to do anything about the present, I'd go back to the past and sit with that. Sit with your 14-year-old. <laughs> make choices with your 14-year-old. Make agreements with that 14-year-old. Whatever comes from that, you'll surely parlay. And you probably will have to think about it and process it a little bit less. And there'll be more of just a flowing of your spirit, of your truth, based on whatever boundaries you choose to set up for yourself, whatever agreements you've made to invoke self-trust, self-safety, and healthy versions of self-reliability. And, and, and the experiment continues. Same thing. So crazy. Mm -hmm. Going through the same freaking thing. Mm -hmm. Let me pose this. Fast forward. She comes back having broken up and has taken some time for herself. But I still look back at how it started and it's messy, right? It's like great in the start, like it's excitement. It's like you're falling in love and, and you know, maybe she's going to change her life for me. And like, I've never felt this way about someone before and blah, 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 blah. I might still look at that and, and be like, wait a second, I don't fucking trust you. So if that person comes back and is like, I want to try this, what would you do? You know, it's so funny that you would ask this because for so long during that stage, there was a big part of me that was attaching to like, hey, if it doesn't work out, hit me up. I have a fantasy that you'll knock on my door one day and show up. But there's something really powerful. So we actually, for the first time, for my first time, did this conscious uncoupling. We grieved together. We processed things together. We held the emotional space. She really helped me remove a lot of guilt and a lot of shame because I was like, I fucking, I'm like, I was wrecked, bro. Yeah. I was wrecked, like on my hands and knees, sobbing uncontrollably, like mid cooking a meal for myself. And I was like, I fucking deserve this. Like, this is what you fucking get for going after someone in a relationship. Like, this is what you deserve. Like, I was shaming and guilting myself. And this is where conscious uncoupling really came in because she held me and she was like, you did nothing wrong. You never pursued me. You never told me to leave. You never talked shit about him. You were always within integrity and you even tried to walk away and I pulled you back in. And there was just this huge release of like grief and shame that really helped in my healing journey that I wasn't giving to myself that she enabled to give to me from a very loving and nurturing place. I mean, there's no doubt I'll always love this person. I love, every, I love every woman I've ever been with and still do. There will always be a special place in my heart. That doesn't necessarily mean that I would take them back. But the second thing where I was still clinging was there was this sense of like, hey, I, what if it doesn't work out? And she was like, babe, you know what? I really need to be here in the present moment without any expectation, without any agreements about what will be and what will happen. And that's the place I'm in today. I don't know what I would do and there's a sense that I don't have to know what I would do. Um, there would, what I do know, what I, what I do know is I have to be really clear on what's important to me in order for it to be a hell yes. And then if someone were to come into my life where there's consideration, I'd have to be, I had to have to know and find a way to make sure that there's an alignment with what I've learned is most important. What I've learned is important in trust for me, right? What's important in communication? if that situation were to come up again. 
And then I would look for opportunities where there's conflict or there's a tendency to want to hide and not tell the truth. And I'd look for, can we talk about things or are you hiding? Right. It doesn't even have to be infidelity to be repeated again, because how we do anything is how we do everything. So I, I don't know whether or not, I mean, I'm already dating somebody new and I really like this person, honestly, who also happens to be European. So the pattern for me there, (laughs) (laughs) but but, you know, there's, there's this, this sense of like, what am I learning about what's most important and about what's actually missing for this to be a hell yes today? And whatever comes into my field has to match to that. And you get to set the criteria. You get to set the values. You get to be really clear of what's in integrity for you within yourself and what keeps you integrity with another person. And you get to have conversations around that and share that and see if you can co-create a life with that verbal contract of how to make agreements to make those happen. You know, but this playing out scenarios in the future just sets up that old mind that wants to fall in love with fantasy and expectation. Mm. It's that same chord. And that releasing of what would you do in, in this in this hypothetical in this hypothetical, it's just fantasy. And I've learned that reality plays out way better than fantasy. So it's just to your point about the seven laws, being present. What's present today? What are the circumstances today? Mm. Would you, I mean, it's important to have like a clearly defined idea of what kind of partner we want to come into our lives, right? It's a good jumping off point. And then the universe tends to bring us something sometimes (laughs) a little bit different. So would you actually like design that partner? Would you like these beliefs, these values, like should look like this? Like are those, you've done that. I have. It's interesting that you'd bring this up. There's a book by Catherine Woodward Thomas called Calling in the One. And there's a lot of woundology work, a lot of self-healing work. And then there is a point where you actually map out like, what does this person value? What do they look like? What do they smell like? What are they doing? Like you get really, really, really specific. And there's a whole manifestation thing. And, and that's there's a beautiful practice to that. And a lot yeah. of people will claim it works. I'm in a different era where I've done that. And I'm willing to be open to the possibility that I have no idea. Mm. I mean, I know what values are important to me. Sure. But I'm leaving just enough space for the unfolding of the universe to bring me who's really meant to be in my mm. life. Yeah, that resonates with me better. Yeah. You know, dude, it's interesting. I've, I've I would say do it though. Yeah. Do the exercise to see and just witness what your preferential mind thinks it wants and thinks it doesn't want. Yeah. Do the exercise. It's not don't do it. It's do it and do it and remain open. Being open to something that you didn't even think of. Mm. Be open to reality is going to be way better than the fantasy you wrote down on paper. Right. And, and ultimately, there is some value, I think, in understanding how you want to be feeling. Right. I want to feel connected with someone who's available and 100% a fuck yes to me. I want to feel ignited and expired and passion. And I want to feel yummy, sexy love. Right. Like there's a good sense that like your person is going to make is going to make you feel that way. Yeah. And when you're not feeling that way, then that's an indicator of like, hmm, what am I telling myself? Oh, maybe if she does this, or maybe if they end up breaking up, or maybe if this ends up happening, we negotiate with reality. We yeah. do this versus just being in the practice of choosing to accept what is presented. Does it match? Does it not? And if it doesn't, what's the choice you're going to make when it doesn't match? Are you going to try to coerce? Are you going to try to manipulate? You know what we call that? Conditional love. Mm-hmm. I'll love you when. And is that the man you want to be? Absolutely not. These people came into our life to teach us these lessons about what's important to us and what's not. These people were gifts, our gifts. So I, like I said, before you do anything, 
be with yourself. Ask yourself the learning. Be in it and be like, why is this not working? Why is it, why am I out of integrity? Yeah, man. And we go back to the idea of just being okay with thinking one thing and getting another in reality. That's a big one for me, dude. Very big. Because I realize as I'm processing this, in in other places, you know, even professionally, like if I think one thing and get another, I shut down. Um, so now my next step would be, okay, getting behind the structure of that belief, looking at it now, seeing it for what it is. Now, how do we reprogram that thought pattern, right? That would be my question. How do we reprogram? Well, you just understand that in, in this situation, there's a decision that you make from fear and there's a decision that you make that's more in alignment with integrity that takes a fuck ton of courage. What's mm. the act of courage? Is it that boundary setting? Would it be in you this scenario? Me. You tell me. What is the act of courage? Let me, let me, let me, let me back, let's back step for a second. Sure. What's your single biggest insight from this conversation about this topic? Single biggest insight from this topic would have to be my pattern of control and realistically only fix that if you allow things to be as they are. Um, and it's so interesting that like I've prided myself on all this work that I've done, all this meditation and all this, these ice baths, whatever, everything. I'm like your stereotypical, you know, Venice wellness guy. <laughs> um, and I've trained my mind to be so freaking resilient in other things, but it's still those, those, those small patterns that um, are most deeply planted in the subconscious that remain. So yeah, it's, it's allowing things to be truly without expectation, fully accepting. So let's take that insight mm -hmm. and let's convert it into a step. Okay. What's not, not 10 steps. What's one tiny step that you can take that's in alignment with that insight. I mean, I keep going back to like even an exercise that I could do, like in a situation where um, she happens to reach out again, for example, like before acting, like getting away from the phone and like taking a walk and, and kind of working, allowing them the emotion to come in, but working past it uh, and then getting on the other side, being able to rationally look at it and understand like, what are we going to do here? Um, so maybe that's it. Like in those situations where I'm getting something different than I wanted, um, don't react, don't be reactive. I love that. Is that an agreement to yourself that you can commit to? Hmm. If X person reaches out to me, if this person reaches out, I commit to not answering right off the bat, walking away and either walking, stretching, doing some sort of physical activity and digesting before I get back to them. We're talking about this girl, right? Specifically. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Now, can I be the coach? Please. And can I, can, I, can I put you in the cold water? Absolutely. I love, the re I love the plan on how to react. What I want to do to help empower you is to be proactive. 
What if you could take that step and do it proactively? What if you called her and was like, hey, I uncovered something that I feel really obligated to share with you about how I've been showing up and responding to your reaching out. And I'm going through a big transition and I want to share it with you. You don't have to cut her out. You just have to make her aware of what you're changing and what you're shifting and how you show up to it. I can do that. I just don't even know where I would take that conversation. Well, well, that's the thing. See, so for those listening, what's really great is that this whole the whole premise of this is that we don't have to fix anything. We don't have to take it anywhere. This is where we think that we have to all of a sudden have resolution to something. You have to leave that person right away. You have to finality. It has all in or all out. No, it's just, hey, this is happening. This is shifting for me. And I just want to make you aware of it. And I'm, I've realized how this has played out in my life. It's playing out right now. And I just, I want to speak that out because I'm consciously working on finding my way back into my center point, to my truth, into living in integrity. And here's what I'm available for a person. And here's what I'm not available for. But you probably weren't even aware of this because this is my shit. So I don't need you to do anything different. I'm the one that's going to be starting to make shifts. I'm the one that starts to make changes. And there's just this like allowing it space, right? Like if I told you right now, like, all right, as soon as you get out of here, you're going to pick up that phone. You're going to call that girl and you're going to like tell her that it's done until she leaves that other guy, right? Like probably not going to happen. But you know, you know, that's the, you know, that's going to be the big decision that may or may not take place depending how the unfolding of this goes. I don't know whether she's going to actually leave this person or not. Who knows? But you get to always take control back of how you're showing up, right? And you know, there's a sense of knowing what the right thing here is. Yeah. But maybe that ends up taking some time because things take time and you don't have to force it. But what's good about doing the proactive step with this other gal is that you're building the muscle of trust within yourself. You're building up your sovereignty. You're mm. building up you're going to the, you're lifting the five pound weight before you lift the 50 pound weight. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's no, there's no, there's nothing to lose with this other one. So you get to start small. And again, there's nothing to fix there. There's nothing that's actually changing. You're just starting to practice speaking out with integrity, with commitment to yourself. And, and also leading with a little bit of vulnerability, which to your point is the man that you want to be, the masculine man that allows the space for the expression of your vulnerability and your truth to come out. And by giving that on honoring that with compassion and breathing it, you write that letter to yourself. You have that conversation proactively with that other woman. You are starting to already be the man that you want to be without having to change shit. Yeah. On that point, like I've, I did the same thing that you did. Like I talked to her. I was like, we should, we should put this on ice. Like just like, like I'm playing the long game here. Like I want to be with you in the future. Like, you take care of what you have to take care of and out of respect, you know, I'm going to back off. And like, I, it was great. It sounded good and everything, but like 48 hours later, we were talking again. <laughs> <laughs> now we know why we connected to yeah, the coffee. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> absolutely. So I feel like, and I've had that conversation again and again, like a couple times. So now having that just feels less impactful. So... I don't know. I might have that conversation again and then she'll be like, okay, whatever you say. You know, the thing that comes up for me is people ask me, would you, would you, would you do it again? The whole thing. And I think the reality is I would do everything. I would never be able to not explore love. 
there's a part of me that wants to tell you and be the coach and be like, you know what? I learned I would never ever pursue somebody who's never in a relationship again and blah, blah, blah. And like the reality is maybe, maybe. What I would do though, different is that the time that I decided to stand up for my integrity, the time that I decided, I would, I would stay committed to that. Yeah, me too, man. That's what I would do. Yeah. I would say, you know what? We explored this. It grew to a level where we know there's something here. And from experience, I have learned that in order for this to grow any further, you have to make a choice. And until then, I'm making the choice of putting this on pause. Mm. And I would stick to that. As yeah. painful as it was, I, I listen, it's just, I'm either going to repeat the same pattern again or not. And she gets to choose. And whether she chooses, that's the point where she's either going to be a fuck yes to me or, or not. And I've already made my choice. I've already made mine. You got relationship and partnership. It's a 200% commitment. I got to be 100% in. You got to be 100% in. When we're at that fork, at least, right? right? There's the exploration stage and the gray area. And I get that. But at a certain point, and that's where I would know that I would stay. Because love has no rules, man. It really doesn't. No, it does not. It comes in, in the craziest ways and in the ways, abstract places and the places where we least expect it. It comes in temporarily and it quickly goes and we just can't predict it. And, and, and so I can't predict how I would, but I know that I've already, I, having done the exercise that I invited you to do, have made an agreement with myself moving forward about where I draw the line. And I know how I'm, I know at what point I'm at that line because it's a feeling. And I know that feeling. Yeah. It's tension. If there's tension, that's where I have to be willing to let it go. And that's a commitment that I've made. And you get to choose. I think we're there, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I just feel the same. Like, I wish when I said what I said initially, like, this is only going to work if we cut it off now. I wish I kept my word to myself because I'm kicking myself over that. And now I don't even know how to approach that conversation again. Um, yeah, you do. Yeah. I'll have to reflect on it a bit, but yeah, I'll find the words. It's not about the words. It's not about the words. What's the one thing that you didn't do then that you know that you need to do now? Keep my commitment to myself. That's it. That's the only thing that needs to change. You don't need to overcomplicate it. Fair. Thanks for being here, man. Dude, such a great conversation. <laughs> I appreciate you very much. Thank you for taking the time. Appreciate you, man. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the Think Out Loud podcast. If you liked it, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review it and potentially share it with a friend. And if you're looking to get in touch with me, you can find me on Instagram at shapeshift underscore coach, or just search my name. And you can also find me on my website at www.shapeshiftcoach.com. Look forward to seeing you here again soon.